created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and as usual, I'm just always excited for our guest today. And because every guest brings something so unique and different to the podcast, to the conversation, today's guest is a relatively new Maple alum, last couple of years, and just brings a lot of energy and perspective on a lot of topics. We're going to talk specifically today about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, what that means to our guest, but we're going to cover a whole range of things. So before I blab on forever, I want to let our special guest today introduce herself and then we can jump in. Kayla, welcome. Thank you so much, Carl. I really appreciate being uh, able to be on here. Uh, my name is Kayla Griffiths, and I am a strategic planner at Tracy Walk currently. I have my bachelor's and master's degree in advertising, and I'm super excited and passionate about the topic about DEI and ready to get started. All right. And you know, before we jump in, we got to do the red, yellow, green check in for uh, the first time listeners, which are probably not, well, I hope there are actually many. The red, yellow, green check in is a way for us to understand how we're coming into this conversation. Colors just represent, again, where you are and how you feel in this moment. It's not a good or bad thing. Red is you're here physically well, and virtually, and then you're also distracted because of everything going on. Green is you're 100% here, clear mind, clear heart, ready to go. Let's go yellow somewhere in between, mix and match, add some shapes, do what you want. It's just a representation of how you feel. So Kayla, how are you coming in today? I'm coming in yellow, but I'm coming in yellow with the shape of a heart. Definitely coming in with an open mind and being as authentic and as transparent as I possibly can be. And just trying to bring my best self, even though I am currently a work in progress with everything currently going on. Okay. Yes to that. Like the yellow with the shape of a heart. I love that explanation. Love how you're coming in. I I might have missed it, but what MAPE year were you? I'm 2019. So in the summer of 2019, 2019. I was selected to go to Digitas North America in Boston. So I moved to Boston for three months. Okay. Move from where? Dallas, Texas. So currently that's where I am right now. And so moving from a completely different location across the U.S. was really just an amazing experience. And I learned so many amazing things. Okay, tell me, tell me and our listeners more about your MAPE experience coming from Dallas to Boston, 2019, the year before everything changed. Yes. But what, what was your MAPE experience like? Start to how did you find out about MAPE, the application process to the selection process to going moving to Boston to coming back, you know, all of it. Gotcha. Yeah. So I found out about MAPE through my scholarship advisor while I was studying at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. So our scholarship advisor just sends students like different opportunities, internships, whether paid or unpaid scholarships that we can apply for that we might be eligible for. And so he requested that maybe I should apply for MAPE because it seems like something I would be interested in at the time while I was majoring um, in advertising. And I was still passionate about DE&I, even when I really didn't know what it was at the time but it was just something that I was like I really want to get more involved and like meet more people who look like me and then also see different perspectives in the advertising industry and be able to just grow in my career and as a person 
And so being able to apply to MAPE and just reading about the program and the application, I was like, oh, this seems like a great opportunity. And also I was very vigil when it came to scholarships and internships because those student loans aren't a joke at all. So, no jokes. No so yeah, joke. so I applied to everything I could possibly apply for that was eligible for. So mm. I applied to MAPE and uh, got a ton of recommendation letters from my professors who were all amazing and just uh, writing all of those essays like that was a lot but also at the same time it was really fun <laughs> and trying to you know figure out like what my style was because I also love to write on the side as a hobby so that was something that was interesting okay so I applied and then just the wait time of trying to find out like did I yeah. get in like what's going on and then finding out I got on to the second <laughs> round I was like oh yay but then oh no like it's the second round so, like I'm not fully in yet and so I was able to interview with one of the previous Maple alum and I think we hit it off really well and so I was like I think this went really well but then again I still had like a month or two of a waiting period to find out if I actually got in and then when I finally found out I was like oh my god yay <laughs> this is awesome and so I was super excited but then there was another waiting period so MAPE is a lot of waiting <laughs> but it's it's definitely worth it but um, I was able to uh, find out um, I think in February of um 2019 that i oh, was so you placed. started the application process in 2018 yes yes so it is quite a long yes it time. was yeah no i think the application what came out in october and then i didn't find out i was in the second round until november or like the end of november and then didn't find out until i was actually like a make finalist until january and then didn't know if mm. i was actually going to get placed with an agency until february so yes okay I mean, there must be a lot of great, a lot of applicants that they had to comb through. Yes, it was definitely very competitive. And so I was like, oh, please let me get in. But I got in. The agencies took their time selecting the best applicants for them. And Digitas North America picked me. So I was like, yay, this is right. awesome. So I spent the rest of my junior year, you know, um, finishing my classes, preparing for like that big move because I'd never been over to the East Coast at that point. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge transition, trying to prepare everything, trying to move in and um, my parents i'm an only child so i'm their only baby so being okay. moving that far away for three months oh, they must they must not have been they must have been so sad yes no they were definitely sad they were proud of me but at the same time they were like oh you're gonna be away for three months and so i was like well yeah. i'll be back and i'm gonna get amazing experience amazing experience which i did so uh throughout the time that i was in boston i was living in one of the new dorms that they built on a specific school campus in fenway park which is near the red sox stadium so that okay. was really really okay. cool um, having that experience. Uh, that was the first time that I'd ever taken public transportation on the subway. And so mm. that was an interesting uh, experience. I believe, I believe they call it the T. The T, yes. Boston. Yes, it is called right. the T, yes, lovingly. But it also at the same time, I was like, wow, I've never done this before because I always had my car in Texas. You need to have a car in Texas. And Boston and New York and the East Coast in general, it's really necessary. But I went on the T and I was like, wow, this is a completely different experience. And mm. so I enjoyed being able to figure out, you know, how to navigate that, being in a new city, being able to explore these new restaurants 
restaurants, these new foods, or like that whole experience in itself was amazing. But then being at my agency, that was the first time I was in an agency full time as an intern and being able to understand exactly like how that process works. And so I was a media buying and planning intern. I was in that department and I was working on paid search. So I learned a lot about SEO, SEM and all of that, you know, just trying to figure out what is the best way to be able to promote a brand when it comes to search engines, specifically Google. And so learning Google Analytics, being able to get my ad um, AdWords certification and being able to you know, just figure out exactly what is the best way to get our name out there and make sure that people, when they actually put in a question in Google, can see that we pop up and we're the best solution. So that was really fun. And being able to meet a ton of new people and just, you know, being able to go to like work, like, events and gatherings. It was just all so fun. And then on top of that, I was living with other Mapers as well in my specific dorm. So I had, I think around 16 people. We were a pretty big group in our Boston area because in the Mate program, you have specific areas that you go to and everyone is specifically going to different agencies, but they still live together. So even though all of my fellow Mapers were in the same um, building and we were living together, they all were working at different agencies in the area. So some of them uh, were working at Havas, some of them were working at Arnold, all these different agencies in that area. So we got to tour those agencies and being able to talk to these these amazing people, these amazingly talented people and see how their day-to-day works. It was just all just just so great. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing experience. Now I will say it was a little tiring because we did have to keep on going to um, a lot of tours and making sure that we were, you know, getting there on time after work or whatever, after a long day. So even though it was something that maybe we would have felt like maybe we could take a nap and they're like, no, like we should go (laughs) to like tour the agency, but it was still an amazing Yes, no rest, but we were able to have an amazing experience and it was all worth it. Yeah. I mean, I thank you for sharing all that. It's it's so good to hear and remember what it's like to have an in-person work yes. experience. And that and that I mean, it brings me back. Um also gives hope for the future. Um and what it, what you know, what we might get back to soon. But what I loved about story is that, you know, I've heard a lot of MAPE stories over the years. And each one is so unique and each one is so different. It always reminds me, like, there's no one way to get into MAPE. Like, you found out from your scholarship chair, revisor, right? People here MAPE from MAPE alum who come and speak. People here from the MAPE Campus Ambassador Program. There's always a way to get in. It doesn't look the same, which is kind of like advertising. And which is what MAPE is supposed to do is, like, really try to mimic as much as possible what the experience is like is actually getting because it is actually getting into advertising but you know without through an internship and that's what i love what you said about the application it was like it was a lot it made you think you had to write all these essays and it kind of challenged you to be like what what is my real answer to this for for me kayla which is going to be different than any other maper um and really starts preparing you not just for like oh like getting a job but also starting to think about who you want to be in this world um and the last thing was the, you said it was like the new experience going for it, whether you're moving from Dallas to Boston or just a different way of living in the city you're already in, like a San Francisco, New York, an LA, a Boston. Um, it gives you all these different experiences you might not get uh, through a typical internship or, you know, you know, when you move for a job, that's a very different, you know, you don't know how long this, you know, three months, you're there, you experience it, you're good. So I, I love to hear 
about how all those interplay and really come to fully shape. And of course, you talk about the community you built, you know, with the folks in Boston, but probably also, you know, when you came to New York for the face of talent and met the other Mapers as well. All that great stuff. After Mape, you immediately got a job and everything was great, right? <laughs> uh, well, not necessarily. That's not how our story goes. So okay. after MAPE, I was going into my summer year. So that was the fall of 2019. So um, everything was great and quiet. There was nothing really happening. I was like, oh, like I'm going to, you know, be in the real world. I'm going to get a job. But then also at the same time, I was still passionate about advertising. And I thought that there was still Mm -hmm. more I could learn from the classroom. And so um, I made a decision earlier on to apply to the master's program at my school. And so I was like, you know what, I think I want to be able to get my master's as fast as possible. So I never have to go back to school again. (laughs) So I applied to the accelerated version of our program where I could take my uh, graduate classes at the same time time as my undergrad classes. So I got in, thankfully, to my professor's wonderful recommendation. So I was taking undergrad and graduate classes at the same time. So I could graduate with both my bachelor's and my master's within five years. So I was doing that during the fall of 2019. And then, um, I was still applying for scholarships and internships. So I got into the most promising multicultural student program as well. And so that program, um, it selects the top 50 seniors across the nation um, to be able to go to New York for a week and being able to just, you know, explore all these different agencies, learn about them, go to recruiting events and just, you know, being able to explore the amazingness of New York. So I was able to go to New York for the second time, first at the Face of Talent for MAPE and then the second time at um, MPMS in February. 2020. However, that was right before COVID hit. And so I was hearing about mm. it and I was like, oh my God, like why am I'm in, I'm in New York. I'm away from my family. What is going to happen if I like can't go back home? And so I was panicking and I was like, oh my God, this is like insane and no one knew what was happening at the time so luckily i got back home right before like lockdown like literally like two weeks oh wow yeah our school was like oh we're gonna come back in like two or three weeks or whatever after spring break that did not happen they canceled they didn't cancel school but they canceled in-person classes for the rest of the year i had to make sure that i moved out as quickly as possible so i could get all my stuff out of my dorm when i was still there and i was like wow okay and so internships for my friends and job offers were falling left and right falling through all of my Mm. friends were like i had all these jobs lined up and now they're completely gone and so i just felt so bad for my friends who had worked so hard like we were about to graduate and then also at the same time we didn't get our graduation either and so oh. we had all of these opportunities taken away from us. And so we were like, wow, this like really sucks. But um, I knew at the same time that things were going to get better, hopefully. But at the time, obviously, like you were just like, wow, the world is ending. <laughs> so it definitely was something that, you know, like it shaped all of us in just, you know, such a transformative way. Like all of yeah. us kind of realized like some of the stuff we worry about is so trivial and it doesn't like like at the end of the day the grand scheme of things does like the stuff we're worrying about really really matter yes grades are important yes making sure that you get an amazing job or whatever is great like all of these things are important but like your health at the end of the day your happiness all of that stuff plays into your everyday life and if you aren't taking care of those things you won't be able to excel in anything else And so being able to reprioritize like all of the things that I think about was definitely something that happened during the pandemic when that started. I was thinking, 
wow, okay, like I really need to focus on making sure that I'm straight, that my mental health, my emotional health is straight and making sure that I am doing what's best for me because I'm not going to be able to perform at work or perform in school Mm -hmm. if I'm not taking care of me first. And so that was like an eye opener for me. So um, they had a graduation ceremony in August, but I didn't end up going just because I still thought it was unsafe. So I missed my undergrad graduation, but I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to continue to, you know, power through and make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make the most of the situation. So I did all of my, um, I'm like, I'll, I'll spend all of my time just making sure that I could like find something to do during the summer. So I wasn't just waiting to uh, start grad school in the fall virtually of 2020. So uh, miraculously, I found an internship at RAP. And so the RAP agency in Dallas. So I was doing a virtual internship in their Dallas office. That was the first time they ever did it. And it was honestly the best internship experience I'd ever had. And I had five internships total. So Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was amazing. So I really enjoyed it. I was a, a an experienced planner, experienced planner intern. So I was a strategist and I fell in love with strategy at that point. I was like, this is amazing. I want to do more of this. And so that was a great experience. And then I went straight into the uh, semester of my virtual uh, graduate program. And so I was a TA and I was just doing my grad classes, helping my professors out with course planning, all of this stuff. And so it was just really great being able Able to still interact with people but again doing completely virtual school for the first time was still like wow this is really different like my attention span is not the same <laughs> looking at a screen so that was cool so and then at the end of the the year i was you know just working towards getting more internship experience and so i was freelancing as a dei consultant and started working for a dei consultancy and then i you know the months flew by and I ended up graduating and actually being able to go to that graduation for my master's degree. So it all worked out and I got a job at Tracy Locke. And so, and I found out the day before I graduated. So it was an amazing graduation present. Look at that. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, what a, I mean, yes, that pandemic has thrown quite a loop in, in a lot of our plans um, from 2020 and 2021. I think something you said to me, which I think I'm going to jump into the DEI stuff because along with the pandemic, like 2020 was, as we all know, I don't have to, we've all said it a million times. It was just, it was a year, right? With the pandemic and and here, you know, which, which spread all over the world, kind of racial reckoning of this country. You said that like the pandemic made you rethink, especially like your mental health. And it always brings it back to a quote that um, Jonathan Jackson is one of the co-founders of Blavity and on, on to, to other things now said at the face of talent one year he's like my mental health is non-negotiable and that always stuck with me and it really hit home in 2020 so now when you think about right because you're like you know are these grades important is getting this job important like what's important you talk about your passion of 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 de and i how from like when that time in 2020 when you were really thinking about what was important how did your passion for de and i where did that fall and how did that influence kind of the work you did the job you got at the place you got and also how you're still involved. I definitely, as a part of the application process, just looking at the jobs and just seeing like, where could I go where I know I could grow? 
But also at the same time, I know that this particular company is doing the work that needs to be done in order to create positive social change and being able to make sure that their employees are empowered enough to continue that work. Because this is hard work. DE&I is very hard work. It's draining, especially if you're working in an environment where you feel like it's not so just it's not, it's not comfortable. You don't feel like you can bring your whole self to work. And so that was one of the main kind of like requirements I had when I was applying to jobs. So just trying to see whether it was in the application, the questions they asked, looking at their company website or talking to a recruiter, if I ended up um, being able to get into contact with them, just seeing what their values are, being able to figure out exactly like, what do you prioritize? Is it money or is it the people? Because the people at the end of the day, are the people who are doing the work. And if you aren't empowering them to do that work, to make sure that they're doing everything that they can to their best capability by giving them the resources to do so, then everything's going to fall apart. And so just being able to kind of vet the companies that I would talk to, because there is one company I talked to and I asked, I always ask the question whenever I'm interviewing with people, um, what are your DEI initiatives? Like, what what are you doing currently? Or what have you done in the past that you're doing specifically to help marginalized communities and historically underrepresented um, groups and communities? Like, what is going on specifically in your sphere that you're proud of in this area? And one company said, "Yeah, it's not a priority for us. We wow. we're, we're too small to worry about that." And I'm like, "Oh, wow. okay. Well, thank you for being transparent, but yeah, deuces." <laughs> I I mean, I'm I'm surprised you even said thank you for being transparent. I just got up and been like, well, I guess this conversation's over. Yeah. Um, But I think it's it's an amazing point you bring up. Like now more than ever, like when you're applying for a job, you're interviewing them and you have all, it doesn't matter what level you are. If you're coming in for your first job or you're, this is your like 90th job, you know, you have the right to ask those questions because work is so much such a big part of our lives and has such an impact on our mental health and our well-being if you're can't work at a company that matches with and aligns with kind of your values and what's important to you then all then everything's everything's gone so i think it's it's great it's a great example of how like the power is also in our hands as the employees to be like well i actually don't want to work for this type of company no matter how great a name it is whatever i don't have to work here if i don't want to so now that now that you're in so when you think about like getting into company and you know you can talk specifically about what you're doing tracy lock if you want or not just like how does your approach especially as you know a strategic planner and that work how does the how does de and i play into both your work and kind of just how you feel personally about where you want to move things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't talk about specifically anything that we're doing in the Tracy Lock department, but when it comes to my work and my approach, whenever I'm doing my day-to-day work, I just like I entered this particular conversation about being um, yellow, but in the shape of a heart, like being open-minded, mm-hmm. being transparent. That's what I'm trying to do in my work. I'm trying to be 
as like a sponge as much as possible. I always love to say in um, the classic elevator pitch that I'm forever curious. I'm open. I love being able to question things, always getting down to the why and being able to think critically and just being able to see different angles and every single perspective, hopefully, to come up with an idea or a solution or a thought that can benefit or be able to, you know, help people in every kind of way possible. And so as a strategic planner, my entire point is to bring the perspective of the consumer to the forefront. Like the consumer is the person who's going to be using this product, going to be using this service. So if their perspective, their voices, their opinions, their needs, their desires and wants, if none of those things are heard, then they're not going to use your products. There's just going to be wasted dollars, wasted time, wasted efforts. And so being able to do that and trying to make sure that everyone has their needs known, especially from a DE&I perspective, means that I need to know about my consumer from every single aspect of their lives, whether it's just their daily hobbies, to their purchasing behaviors, to how they think about politics, what they think about when it comes to family, how is that important? What kind of constructs are, um, social constructs do they adhere to? What do they, what will they, like, what will they take and what will they, what won't they take? Like, basically I need to know everything about them. So when it comes to DE&I, it's specifically going into these groups who have been historically underrepresented, uh, historically marginalized, and seeing what these communities value and being able to tell exactly why this community thinks the way they do. Because even though these are individuals who have their own lives, have their own thoughts, have their own beliefs, there's still that community there in these particular groups and they have their own thinking, their own thought processes as well. And so being able to understand exactly how the African-American community um, views specific things, whether it's music, whether it's food, their culture, everything specifically, like that is something that I need to know as a strategic planner if I'm going to target them for a specific product. Same thing with the Hispanic community, being able to understand how they value family, how socializing and just being able to be connected is super important. Like all of these different groups I need to know about and being able to understand the history that context is something that is super important in order to be relevant to them and have things resonate. So I approach my work every single day with that thought in mind. Like, I don't know much about this community. Let me find out. Let me go to blogs. Let me go to uh, history textbooks. Let me go to articles. Let me go to news, like podcasts. Like, let me go to any source of information. Let me go to Twitter, even though social media is all it's it has its own charms but also just being able to just go anywhere and just find out information trying to connect those puzzle pieces together to find out exactly what makes this person this group who they are and being able to provide them a service or a product that will help them yeah i i love what you're saying um little known fact is before i was doing all what i'm doing now but i was a strategist in advertising and oh, wow yeah and Small what world. i love i always said like once a strategist always a strategist because that type of thinking can be used anywhere like I'm, I'm listening to you talk now about like what you do as a strategist and like getting into the and to know the community is exactly what i think is often missing from 
DEI approaches and agencies and other companies as well, where it's just like, what are we going to do now? Check the box, doom. No one goes in like, oh, let's just go recruit at this event, at this event. But no one actually takes the time. Not no one. I can't say no one. It's an absolute. Very few people take the time to actually get to know the communities they want to actually hire at their companies and say to make sure that they come into this company feeling like they belong here, feeling like they're welcome here, feeling like they can be themselves here. I have to know and learn about the, that their communities and then cre- like recreate, create a space where they can feel comfortable. Like it goes simple things. No, I say simple, but little things that may, might not make much difference to some, but some communities make a huge difference for, for others. So you talk about family leave. In some communities, family is literally the parents, the children, and maybe a grandparent. In some communities, family does has nothing to do with blood. Yep. Right? It's about the people that raise you, that bring you up, that help take care of you, help you grow into the person you are. So how is your company see family leave if my family includes people who are not blood related to me, but I can't go take care of them or I can't go celebrate them or I can't get do something for them because they're not my parent or my sibling. So if you don't know the community, you don't have those nuances that actually help you create a space where someone can come in and say, oh, you know, I, I've worked at jobs before where they didn't have paternal leave. They just had maternal leave. And it's like, well, dads are parents too. So if, you, if companies don't look at that and understand the communities they want to, they say they want to hire, then it's never really going to work. So that's why I love that approach of taking like that strategist mindset and being like, I have to immerse myself in this community. And we do it as, a, as the advertising industry, as most industries, we do it because we want to sell something or someone to use our product. So we do put a lot of money into learning about communities to help sell stuff or provide services. And we can do that same thing here. I agree. I think I really love the word that you used uh, a couple minutes ago, the word nuance. I think that specifically kind of like defines DE&I today specifically, because before I think when the topic was being talked about 10, maybe 20 years ago, if it was even on anybody's radar, it was just all a numbers game. Like, oh, we just need this amount of people from this particular group in the company. This is all that matters. Like, okay, we have this token person here. We have this token person here. And of course, having token people to represent an entire community is just going to put too much pressure and just emotional it's just going to take an emotional toll on that person it's not fair to them they can't speak for an entire group with so many different complex perspectives and that's not going to help your company either because at the end of the day if they give a perspective and it's not something that resonates then the company is going to suffer and therefore that person is going to suffer so it doesn't work out for anybody in the end so having those numbers it's not enough yes representation is important but being able to have that nuance to have the people across the entire company from junior to mid to senior to director to group director to vp to svp it needs to be across the entire company chain like everyone needs to make sure that they are involved in this work and that there's representation across all of these different positions. And so there has to be something that makes there be equity and inclusion. People 
of different groups, ethnicities, ra- like races, religions, sexual orientations, disabilities. They all need to be included in the conversation and have equal value to their opinions. And they need to be in the room where it happens, as I like to say. So if that isn't there, the representation doesn't get us anywhere. And so I think that's how DEI has evolved over time is we've gone from just, you know, having someone here to say, oh, yeah, we have 10 black people in this company. We have two Hispanic people in the company. Okay, but what are their positions? Are they in board meetings? Do they are they the key decision makers? Like, what are they doing to contribute? And what are they doing that is making the company grow? So I think the numbers are important, but also at the same time, you have to look deeper because at the end of the day, we are the ones who have to deal with the repercussions. Yeah, no, it's such a not, it's such a good point about the numbers, right? Because there, so many people focus on the numbers because they're easy, right, to focus right. on. Yeah, but they're only a piece of the puzzle, right? Because those numbers, I remember listening to this great podcast about the New York City's like crime stop, like the numbers and how people would start just gaming the system, right? And then you got things like stop and frisk and this and you see how just just focusing on numbers can lead people astray. And I think we see it all the time, especially especially um, last uh, 2020. Um, when there was a big call for people to just put their numbers out, put their numbers out, put their numbers out, share your numbers, make them visible to everybody. And you always have to ask the question, for what? And what's behind that? Because if you just put your numbers out, you got no plan to actually do it, right? You don't go deeper into that equity, that inclusion, and in some cases, the justice that we need to move those numbers. Just putting numbers out and saying, let's just hire as many X people from X community, from Y community, is no real change there. And so I think it's it has to look at, I, I, I said, I don't know if I always say this, but it's like the numbers are just a scoreboard in a sports game. It, it matters what you do on the field, which is the equity, the inclusion, the justice that actually impact that score, right? That score doesn't go up if you're not executing the plays on the field for those who who like sports and, and, have, and <laughs> do those analogies. But it's just it's just a visual representation of the work you're doing behind the scenes. Right? Because if you're not if you're if your leaders aren't, if your recruiters aren't doing the work to get to know communities to really build policies and procedures into their companies, those numbers they don't change in the way they don't change and they're not sustainable, even if they do change. So I, I, I love my right. I think nuance is, is such a thing because, you know, it, it, it I want to say it, it was believed in the past that one size fits all that we can do a few things and that will change everything but with the amount of ways people identify in the intersectionality there there's no way you cannot look at the nuances of things and and not knows that it's aren't important yeah i totally agree i love that sports metaphor <laughs> i think it's definitely representative <laughs> of just like what we need to do like the work the teamwork specifically like it's a team effort i think that's another thing that i think sometimes falls to the wayside because usually at least from what i've noticed dei is usually siloed to the c-suite it's a c-suite position 
And no one usually in general from positions that I've applied for or looked for is involved from a junior, mid-level or senior standpoint. It's always a high level position. And so if we have this silo to a C-suite or a director level or a VP position, they're the work, the everyday work that's being done specifically by juniors, the mid-level, the seniors, if they're not getting involved. So if they're not getting involved, how are they going to be able to contribute and be able to actually be in the work, in the weeds day to day and being able to establish, oh yeah, no, I, I don't think this is working. Oh yeah, I think this could be improved. Like if we only have a select amount of people focusing on this, then nothing is going to, nothing's going to change. So I think another kind of improvement that could happen in our industry in particular, but also just across our workplaces specifically, is knowing that it's something that is going to take collaboration on everyone's parts from the top down. So just having a chief diversity officer is not going to cut it because it could just be and end up be another form of tokenism at the same time. You have someone who's in this high level position who really may not know what they're doing because they just got thrown into this. They have 20 years of experience and management behind them. They have all of these different ideas and talents, but when it comes to this particular topic, they they are just starting out like an entry level person, like everybody else. Do they have the resources to be able to make decisions? Do they have the amount of support that they need to be able to get help if they need it? They would be able to have that if it wasn't just a high level position. So of course DE&I is something that should be something that the top level position should be involved in, but also the intern should be involved too. They bring fresh perspectives. They show exactly what's happening in our society and they show the changes that are going on that we need to look out for. So if we aren't including people from every walk of life, from every position, every amount of experience, then we're really kind of doing ourselves a disservice. You 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 just opened up this door to the whole like how the structure of DE9 and who and what and I'm just like I there's so much to say and we don't have enough time in this conversation to to talk about all of that because you're absolutely right. Like so many times it's just a senior level person or like a mid-level person. There's no team. And I, I say a lot to people. It's like, and, or people are like, you know, it's everybody's role. So we don't even need a person. And I say, I say to folks a lot, like, so the finances of a company, that is everybody's role, job to make sure the company does well. Are you not going to have a chief financial officer with a team of people around them? to help make sure that something as important as the finances stay on track. If that's the case, if diversity, equity, inclusion is so important, why are we putting the same resources into that department? Not even role, but department as well, right? Why is it always just one person? Why is it maybe two? Why is it always somebody who just gets you know, maybe comes over from a different role and thrown in and be like, all right, go do. Oh, you can't do it? Well, see, it doesn't work. So we as a as, as companies need to actually take a look at how important this really is. Are we giving it the same resources, attention, influence, power as other things that are important, like finances, like legal, like talent, like strategy, account, creative, like everything. 
right? And until we start doing that, you know, are we really going to move the needle is the question that we should ask. Um, okay, we obviously, okay, you just opened a door and we could walk down and go in for a long time. But I know you're busy. Now, so I want to take this moment and ask you, you know, for folks, you know, we'll give you two questions you can answer, either one or both. So one is for MAPE. Folks who are applying for MAPE or have just graduated from MAPE or about to graduate, do you have a piece of advice for them? And you can pick whatever folks and or you can answer the question for folks. You know, as you look at this, you know, you're in your job, you're looking at diversity, equity, inclusion from the mind of a strategist. Like what's one of the important ways folks should look at when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion from your kind of strategic mindset? Yeah, uh, I will happily answer both. So from me to our future mapers, I definitely would say when it comes to the application process, you know, just don't give up. Like, I know it seems like there's like so much going into it and that the waiting period is agony, but it's definitely all worth it in the end. And especially being able to be placed in an agency, whether it's in your hometown or someplace across the coast, like being able to experience what it's like to be with people like you and not like you around your age and explore just entirely different experiences that you probably wouldn't have gotten if you hadn't applied is something that is life-changing and I highly encourage you guys to do. I think that it's something that it just really opens your eyes and it's just as important for you to know what you don't want to do versus what you do want to do. So being able to find those things that you really, really love or is they're, they're great. But then also being able to see the things that you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go for that. That's also just equally as important. So the application process is grueling, but it is something that will end up changing your life and it'll be so worth it. And the experience is amazing. And then on the topic of DEI specifically, just for people who are passionate about it and, you know, we're seeing the things that are happening in the world and kind of get discouraged and just, you know, sometimes feel like there's no hope that's okay. It's honestly okay to kind of feel like everything's shitty, but it's also going to benefit you to know that you are able to change things in your own way, as long as you continue to have faith in yourself and in your own abilities, because we're not going to be able to fix any of the stuff that is happening in the world right now without each other. So just making sure that you do everything you can to bring your best self and create the change that you know you can create and bringing others into the folds so that they can help support you and we can help make the world a better place. I love it. Thank you. That what you said about we need all, we need each other to help move this forward so resonates with me because there's so many different ways to go about this work and all those ways are needed. Every single one because there's no one magic like path that will get us there. We need everybody. So thank you for that reminder. And I know you just gave a lot of good wisdom, but as we always do, I want to make sure we give you your 60 seconds to leave the audience with whatever you want. It could be related to what we're talking about. It doesn't have to be. It's all about you, Kayla. What do you want to leave the audience with? Make sure nothing is uh, left unsaid. You got 60 seconds. Go. Two things. The power of saying no is unimaginable. You 
being able to define your boundaries, especially at an early age, early on in your career, is something that is going to benefit you for years to come. Being able to say no to a project, being able to say no to a job, being able to say no to working long hours, all of it. The, just being able to establish where you are available and where you are not is something that you will always be able to benefit from. And then the other thing is just being able to be as open-minded as possible and being able to leave room for mistakes. Always leave room to be able to fail because you won't be able to grow if you don't. Well, powerful words um, like no. And I'm actually glad you didn't say no to this podcast because it was great having you on. <laughs> I really enjoyed the conversation. You're, the way you're thinking, using that strategic brain for you know, DE and I, I think this is why I'm excited to talk to the folks who are going to be leading this work, whether it's as a profession or just because they're passionate about it. Cause it's, it's a, it's a different way of thinking. It's going to move it forward. I'm so excited for what it could bring. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the whole podcast team for putting this together. Can't wait for our next one. Kayla, you have a great rest of your day and everybody else. We'll see you Thanks. next time. See ya. Bye.